Good morning. My name is Kathy Connor, and I am so honored to be one of the pastors here at First Pres. To be COVID safe, we began with two services, but we've determined that with our numbers, we can actually all worship together at 10 a.m. Yay! We're so excited to be able to do that. Yes! Yes! And it's awesome because worship is the place where we get a glimpse of God as he invites us into a bold adventure of faith. And we hope that you will say yes to his invitation to go deeper in your relationship with Jesus and to discover what it means to have a relationship with Jesus. If you're new to First Pres, welcome. And we invite you to go to our website after worship, fill out the Connect card, which you can access by scanning the QR code. It will take you directly to the card. And once you fill it out, it gives us the opportunity to pray for you, encourage you, and answer any questions that you might have. In order to continue to create a touchless and safe ex experience here in worship, we invite those of you who need to leave the sanctuary at any point to kindly use the back double center doors or this door adjacent to the piano. 
We also ask that you would remain in your seats at the end of worship until an usher comes to get you. And would you kindly share the service on Facebook so that others can join us in worship this morning? This is also the ideal opportunity for those of you who are worshiping with us online to go and grab elements for communion like water, juice, milk, cookies, bread, crackers, whatever you have, so that we can all share in communion together. Please pray with me now. Heavenly Father, we are so thankful to be here this morning because you're the one, Lord, that invited us into this day, into this place, to be with each other, to be with you, Lord, and to lean into what you have to say and what you want to speak into our lives. Lord, help us to hear you. Help us to listen for you. When we're singing words that are familiar and those that aren't, when we're listening to the sermon, when we're in silence, help us to listen for you. Lord, we humbly come before you as a church, praying for our nation. God, speak to us, lead us, so that we might honor you by voting, so that we might honor you by searching your word and listening to what you say matters, because we are kingdom independence, and we are following you and your voice and your leadership. Oh, Father, we also pray for the one who is wondering, just wondering about you, wondering about their life, living in a sense of complexity, difficulty, uncertainty, and yet wondering if you are real. Oh, we pray that you would use us, Lord, in the relationships that we have with people, that we might be a bridge to help folks get a glimpse of who you are how you love your mercy and your grace. Lord, we're also celebrating the very good news that Rachel and Anthony Colavito have received in the last two weeks of their baby girl, Lucy, who is now in remission. Here she is at two years old. She's been through so much, Lord, and yet she is your precious little girl, completely free of Ewing's sarcoma. We continue also, Father, to grieve the loss of our dear friend, Jennifer Reese Sherrill, who died unexpectedly last week. And we ask that you would wrap your loving arms around family members and friends who are brokenhearted. Father, we also continue to pray for Joanne Harvey as she heals from being in the hospital with heart complications. Lord, thank you that we can bring all of this to you and that we can just be ourselves this morning, come as we are, and that you love us too much to just leave us that way. So we know and trust that we are being transformed by you in this very hour. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Good morning, First Prez. Let's stand for worship this morning.
for the extra hour to work, church. Bring all your failures, bring your addictions. Come lay them down at the foot of the cross. Jesus is waiting there with open arms. See his open arms. For God so loved the world that he gave us. He's one and only son to save us. Whoever believes in him will live forever. The power of hell forever defeated.
Kathy and John Faircloth have been reminding their daughter, Jackie, ever since she was the victim of a hit-and-run accident in Tallahassee six years ago, that she has an army of family and friends who love her and continue to pray for her. Jackie is turning 24 on November 4th, and so as her church family, let's shower her with birthday cards to express our love and to remind her that we have not forgotten about her. In fact, that is why we keep these ribbons here, and we've been doing this ever since the weekend that she was in this accident as a reminder that to her family and to us all that we will not stop praying for Jackie. I'll pause so that you can take a picture of the address. We want everyone, every single person in this room and online to send a birthday card. You don't have to know her personally to express your love, your care, and your ongoing prayers to Jackie. On the first Wednesday of every month, we as a church have been praying and fasting together as an expression of our complete and total dependence on the Lord, both personally, but also as he leads us into our new location as a church, and as he continues to lead us in our mission and in our ministry to our city, to our nation, and to the world. Fasting is an opportunity, believe it or not, to feel hungry, Yet say to Jesus, Jesus, I'm so hungry right now, honestly, I want to eat. But I hunger even more to know you better. I hunger even more for your direction in my life. I hunger even more for your help, the kind of help that can only come from you. Together, we've also been memorizing what Jesus said when he said, even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus gave everything. He gave sacrificially. You are giving sacrificially. And as a result, lives and hearts are being transformed. Here are five ways that you can continue to love the city of Tampa, and as a result, you're loving them with the hope of Jesus. God bless you. Please stand as we continue to worship. Please, Marie.
Adam. Thank you, band. Yo, online, in here, Halloween, blue moon, in the rear view, huh? Yeah. Oh, you're happy about that. <laughs> well, here's what I'm really happy about. This happens to be what's happening now, my favorite kind of time of the year. And I tell the truth, this is a truth-telling session when will you turn on your Christmas music? Full disclosure, I already have. I made a pledge. I used to make myself wait until Thanksgiving Day. I, I, everybody, okay, when is Starbucks going to turn everything green and red, right? And I asked this morning, they're going to do it next week. In the Hallmark Channel, when are they going to start running their cheesy Christmas movies? I think they already have, right? So I want, you to, I want to know, when are you 
going to try to catch up with me putting my trashy Christmas lights up on my house. Just come by. The lawn man is going to trim up the hedges so they can go in, and then Kathy is not going to be happy because I make it. Clark Griswold trained me in every way. So it's behind us. It's, it's my favorite time of the year. I, I just love it. I don't know why. I'm going to gain weight. It's okay. Just go with me. I did not yet in any chocolate that's still jammed up at our house. How, how great was last night? Huh? Wasn't it great? Because what, here's one of the things I want you to think about. I want you to think about what it means to connect with people. And one of the things that happened last night, which is sort of a, an illustration of COVID, is that we've been out on the sidewalks connecting with our neighbors. We've been neighboring. And guess what? God made people to be connected. And so there's, it's not a surprise that your head's nodded when I said, how was last night? I did what you did. The streets were crawling with kids. We set the loot up so they could come and grab it out of a basket. Out, I, Literally, I kept moving the, the table with the basket on it further down our sidewalk because I wasn't literally right in front of it. And finally, I just put it out in the street. And I was yelling, saying, go hit our loot because I want it out of there. Otherwise, I'll eat it. But what the connection and Kathy and I sat with our neighbors. We sat in chairs and beach chairs with our neighbors, and they had their candy on one side, and we had ours, and we just hung out. And you know what? You're longing for it, and so am I. And it is not an accident. God made you and me to be connected. It's why we keep asking you, if you haven't done so, to give us your information on a Connect card, because really, if you want to connect more, We'll help you do that. We'll help you find a way to serve. We'll help you find a way to connect with each other. And so I'm excited about the season, but what I'm really excited about is the ongoing depth of relationships that we are building with each other when we have on purpose, authentic, transparent, vulnerable relationships with each other. That's how we were made. And so here we go, running through the book of Mark, and we've been saying, what does it mean to be a daring disciple? We've been saying, what, what is this business about Jesus, who is the mighty Messiah? We have these three themes. And the third theme, what is this about the kingdom of God? And, and here's what it's about. It's about all those things running together. And will you and I, in response to the inbreaking of God into our world through the person of Jesus. That's to put mighty Messiah and the kingdom of God together. And what's happening is God is breaking into our world and making you and me as individuals and our families and our culture over again, redeeming us, rescuing us, and then transforming us into new people. That's what's going on. And guess what? God's new people, God's transformed people, God's rescued and redeemed people connect with each other. And when we're authentic and transparent and vulnerable with each other, that's one of the tools God uses to make us over again into the people he wants us to be. And it's just a little tip of the iceberg to see how much we want it when we're walking around with our dogs and our kids and our baskets full of candy on Halloween. What a, what a rich night it was. So make that night for you. Whatever happened for you last night, let, let yourself stew on the fact that you're learning and hearing from God about how God made us to really want each other and need each other. We don't do this alone. And we've been running through the book of Mark, and we've been talking about these themes, and we see the themes in every single passage we've looked at, and we've been talking about a key verse, and Kathy mentioned it already this morning. 
The key verse is this, chapter 10, verse 45. For even the Son of Man, Jesus then, this is Jesus speaking, and he uses this term, Son of Man. It's a hyperlink to some stuff in the Old Testament. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. And that's one of the simple and meaningful ways to describe what you see in front of you. This table, which is Jesus' table, which we are invited to connect and tell the truth about ourselves in front of him. And so that's what we're going to do today. We're going to watch an episode of a guy named Peter, and we're going to watch him go through a lot of things, but all the themes and the key verse are all happening at the same time as we see this episode in the life of Peter. So let's do this. Let's take a look at it, and we're going to remember that the challenge for us this morning is going to be to learn how, like Peter, to tell the truth and to connect. So here we go. Mark chapter 14, verses 66 through 72. While Peter was below in the courtyard, just one introductory comment about this. Jesus, this is Thursday night. Jesus has been arrested. He has just been beaten. He's just been mocked. All this at the home of the high priest, the person in charge of all of the, the nation of Israel, their religion. And Jesus is in the front steps of what's going to be tomorrow, Friday for him, the crucifixion. He's going to be executed in a few hours. While Peter was below in the courtyard, one of the servant girls of the high priest came by. When she saw Peter warming himself, she looked closely at him. You were also with that Nazarene, Jesus, she said. But Peter denied it I don't know or understand what you're talking about he said and he went out into the entryway when the servant girl saw him there she said again to those standing around this fellow is one of them again he denied it after a little while those standing near to Peter uh, those standing near said to Peter surely you are one of them, for you are a Galilean. Peter began to call down curses, and he swore to them, I don't know this man you're talking about. Immediately, the rooster crowed the second time. Then Peter remembered the word Jesus had spoken to him. Before the rooster crows twice, you will disown me three times and Peter broke down and wept heavy passage let's come up for air a little humor I don't hear any laughing can you not read it it's funny <laughs> during a lively game of pickup basketball Peter denies Jesus three times Did any, there you go that's funny Man, it didn't go over well at all here. <laughs> Let's take a look at some features in this account of Peter's denial of Jesus. Listen carefully, friends, because this is what you and I want to do. We want to be sure that we know that we must, in order to have a vital relationship with Jesus Christ, we must tell the truth. And we also must see that telling the truth involves being connected to Jesus and each other. So watch this. Let's talk about it a little bit. 
while Peter was below in the courtyard, one of the servant girls of the high priest came by. So Peter, the courtyard would have been a, this, the high priest would have had a big, nice house, and there's enough room in the piece of property to have up here, which is where this kangaroo trial is going on, where people are beating Jesus, but down below there's some kind of open area. And that's where Peter noticed he's scared, and he's, he's not really close to Jesus, but he's at least on the property. But it's below, so you, a, a terraced kind of home. And that's where he is. And so this person who is a servant of the high priest looks down, so to speak, figuratively as well as literally on Peter and says, she looks closely at him. He's warming himself. It's maybe March in, the, in, in Jerusalem, still cold enough at night for a fire. But we have a fire which also gives light so she can see him and recognize him. So this, this, she looks closely at him with the light from the fire to be able to do it. And look what happens next. You also were with that Nazarene Jesus. So the question is, why does she say that? And that is for these Jewish people who are, don't like Jesus. It's a way of saying, you also were with that troublemaker. So to call him a Nazarene, which is a reference to Nazareth, his hometown, is to say, that guy and the people falling around, that bunch, that movement... They're a bunch of bad people. They're troublemakers. And she says that about him, a servant girl. He denies it. Look, he denies it. Peter obviously does not want to be the center of attention. He's trying to remain inconspicuous. But, oh, this is not going well for him. He's been called out in front of this girl at first. So his, his plot to somehow watch what's going on, his strategy is not working, and it's going to get worse. He denied it. Look at his words. I don't know or understand what you're talking about, he says. Peter, number one in the 12, the senior leader, I don't know what you're talking about. He's inside himself running for protection he's scared I understand he's scared of what what they're doing to Jesus they're just as likely going to do to me okay fair enough but he denies that he knew Jesus he goes out into the entryway again the architecture and of this home is a fairly large piece of property and there's, there's lots of rooms and places for people to gather and talk. So this is outside of the area where the kangaroo court happened. However, there's a courtyard and then there's an entryway. So it's a pretty complex piece of property, which suggests, by the way, that the high priest made a pretty good salary. And so you could go ahead and be a little bit grumpy about that if you wanted to when you think that the high priest who's supposed to be serving the people, some of them were good priests, some of them weren't. This guy, Caiaphas, not a good guy. When the servant girl saw him there, that is now in the entryway, she again said to those standing around, remember Pete wants to be inconspicuous? Uh-oh, now there are more people who are watching and hearing. And she says to those who can hear her, this guy, he's one of the, them. In other words, he's one of the Nazarenes. He's one of the troublemakers. And look what it says, the last sentence in this slide. Again, he denied it a little while longer says Mark the, those standing 
near said to Peter, Surely you are one of them because you're a Galilean. How would they, what does that mean? It means that his language, his Aramaic is the language they would have been speaking. It's a Semitic language. It's a version of Hebrew, but it's different enough from Hebrew, probably as different as Portuguese is from Spanish, that you couldn't read the Hebrew Bible, but you could speak Aramaic, but he has a dialect. He sounds like one of those guys from over there, sort of the way people make fun of us in the South. They can make fun all they want. He's a Galilean. Look what happens next. He knows he's lying. He knows he's, he's hiding. He wants so much not to be seen. And now a, people can see him. They are hearing him. And he calls down curses on himself and continues to say he doesn't know Jesus. He's cussing. He feels so guilty already. Surely you're one of them. He calls down curses and he swears to them. I'm not going to swear like I think he might have. I don't know him. I, he won't say Jesus' name. You catch that? I don't know. This man, it's Jesus. It's his, the person he's followed closely and intimately for three years. And because of this passionate denial, you know there's a passion inside of Peter to want to be with Jesus, but he's breaking it. He's running the other way. He's scared. And oh, by the way, the others are scared too. They're not around. If they weren't scared, they'd have been there. Lots of people are scared. But here we have this powerful and passionate and intimate and poignant episode going on in the life of Peter. I don't know this man you're talking about. Immediately, the rooster crows, and Peter remembers the word Jesus had spoken to them just a few hours before. Jesus said earlier, before the rooster crows twice, you will disown me three times. And then, friends, look at what happens next. Peter breaks down and weeps. He has a come to Jesus meet time. <laughs> That's a joke. <laughs> Peter now is telling the truth. It's happening quickly. Everything in the Gospel of Mark is really happening quickly. But Peter then admits to himself without any more concern about who's watching, I have just lied to myself and to the people around me about my deep and passionate love for this man and my sold-out willingness to follow him. And because he betrayed this personal, deep, intimate friendship, he's crushed with self-awareness. And on the ground he goes, weeping. Self-awareness, friends, is curative. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Because the story with Peter doesn't end here. A few days later, not recorded in Mark's gospel, but recorded in John's, a few days later after the resurrection, this is Thursday night, resurrection Sunday morning, about a week after that, Peter and Jesus are talking. And Jesus says to Peter, Peter, do you love me? And Peter says, you know I do. And then Jesus asks a second time, do you love me? And Peter says, yes, Lord, you know I do. 
And then Jesus asks again a third time, do you love me? And Peter's almost weeping again. Yes, you know I love you. Restored. Three denials. Three chances to say to Jesus again, yes, I love you. And you know what happens to Peter? He becomes the leader of the Christian movement in the city of Jerusalem. And Peter becomes a rock. His name, Peter, Petras in Greek. Petra is the Greek word for rock. And he becomes the center of the leadership of this team of people making the Christian movement happen. And he never denies Jesus again. He ends up being martyred, crucified. And he's the, the, the sort of the legend. When I say legend, I mean it's not true that he was crucified, but there's not historical data the way we normally do his, history, the way we study history, to make say that for certain what I'm about to say happened. But the legend in the early church was that Peter was not willing to allow himself to be crucified upright like Jesus was. He wasn't worthy of that, so he had him crucify himself upside down. Peter never again backed off Jesus. Why? Because he connected with Jesus telling the truth. Peter told the truth about who he was. And it's a painful truth to tell. But he owned it. No longer denial. Denial doesn't work about who we are. Denial fails about who we are. And I want you, I want you to tell the truth. I want to tell the truth. I want to look in the mirror and I want to take, I want to be a daring disciple. And so Peter dared to keep going and he had to tell the truth about himself. And what kind of process did he go through in order to say, oh no, and then to be restored and having to let it go and all the things that he had to do to come to terms with who he was as a Jesus follower. But that's what he is a Jesus follower, a truth-telling Jesus follower, a, a deeply connected Jesus follower. And that's what we need to do, tell the truth and connect deeply. It's just that simple. But, of course, telling the truth is never simple. Y you and I are likely not to be scared for our physical lives, persecuted as followers of Jesus. I, some people we know in the world are literally in fear of their lives because of the way that religion is going on. And Kathy has colleagues that work for Young Life in the continent of Africa. And some of them are in environments where if they announce that they're Jesus followers, the next thing that happens is literally they're executed. Can't say the name Jesus out loud. Can't hold a Bible in their hands and be caught with it. But that's not going to happen to you and me. What happens to you and to me as Jesus followers is we might find ourselves feeling a little pressure somewhere. Maybe it's pressure relationally where we know that we need to come clean with somebody and tell the truth. And maybe, maybe we need to say to somebody we're sorry or we need to uh, accept somebody's apology, whatever. Or it could be in your business. Maybe there's pressure sometimes to cut a corner because the person you're trying competing with has cut corners and you know it and you can see it and if I don't cut a corner that person gets a sale and I don't maybe there's pressure if you if you are have a case whatever that might be it could be you could be a lawyer it could be anything it could just a situation and someone you're sort of competing with cuts a corner in order to win 
and you refuse to cut your, your pressure, you feel it because you need it. We're not going to physically be threatened, but there's lots of chances every day for you and for me to feel the pressure of life and to bail. And so there we are with Peter. And the invitation is not to steal up my willpower. That's not what this is about. Peter doesn't become a rock in the early days of the Christian movement because he had great willpower. He had not, his willpower obviously was not, zero. What Peter did was connect intimately with other Jesus followers and with Jesus himself. And the power is from his heart being made over again new. It's something God does from the inside out. I'll use the word supernatural. The miracle of being made a new person. That's what happened to Peter. Now, uh, supernatural is one way of saying it. Another way of saying it is the kingdom is present. The God dimension of the universe is present in a new way because of Jesus. And Peter is just caught up in it. Why? Because he's connecting closely to other Jesus followers and to Jesus himself. And so the God dimension can, gets a chance to go to work on us. Because the world, the universe, is bigger than just what we can see, hear, taste, smell, measure. It's bigger than the scientific method. Reality is. The God dimension is bigger than that. God is not subject to science. God made science. Science is not out. Reason is not being cast out. There's just more to reality than it. And that's what Peter is experiencing when he's there with Jesus, being restored, being loved, and being made into a new person and given a job. Just a few days later, telling the truth. I want to be a truth teller. I want to be connected. I want you to want the same things. I don't want to depend on my willpower. I will simply eat the chocolate. It's there in my house. I can't, I can't not ask Kathy. If it's out, there's a little glass bowl. It's, a, it's clear glass. It's shaped like a pumpkin. It's full of candy. I just keep eating it. I can't stop myself. And then, and then she appropriately teases me and makes fun of me. <laughs> willpower, that's not it. But my life is different because of connecting with you and with Jesus and because of God doing stuff inside me. I'm just saying I'm different, but it's not because of me. And you're different. It's not because of you. But it takes truth-telling. So let's have a look at some truth-telling. And I'm borrowing, I'm borrowing from the recovery community here. I'm borrowing from Celebrate Recovery, which is an explicitly Jesus-centered version of the Alcoholics Anonymous movement, the 12 steps. We're going to look at four of the 12 steps, and up they come. Step number four, truth-telling. And this is four steps about how to tell the truth. If you get your camera out, which I want you to do, take a picture of it, because what Celebrate Recovery does is they give us a text from Scripture to help us with this step. Look at step number four. We or I made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. What do you think is happening with Peter when he collapses on the ground and weeps? Searching and fearless, daring disciples will tell the truth about who they are. And we get this encouragement from the book of Lamentations. We Let us examine our ways and test them. Let us return to the Lord. Truth tellers, the door opens wide for you to walk back into the presence of Jesus. Step five, four, five, six, and seven, what we're going to see, and it's, it's not, it's just to see them all. It's about being genuine and honest and connected. It's telling the truth, and it's having other people involved in it. Look at number five. We admitted to God, Peter's on the ground doing that, to ourselves, he's certainly doing that, and to another human being, the exact nature of our wrongs. 
Well, we know that in Peter's life, he connected with the other Jesus followers. And they stayed connected. And so this episode, you know, you want to have something really cool? Listen to this. Who do you think is the voice behind Mark's voice to get down what we call the gospel of Mark? Many, many legitimate scholars. And is there scholarly consensus growing around this idea? The people that study this stuff, you know who they say wrote it? Peter. And that Mark is writing down Peter's run through the whole thing kind of episodic, episodic uh, 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 account of what happened. If you are reading through the book of Mark with us, you're reading what probably is the voice of Peter echoed into the hand of John Mark. Maybe not, but there's a lot of evidence that says that. If that's not the coolest thing in the world, did he come to terms with himself and with Jesus? Did he connect? Absolutely. And he's still loving us. You aren't sitting here today if Peter doesn't go through these steps because he was a part of the launch that resulted in the people who told the next group of people, who told the next ones, the next one. And 20 centuries later, we still have people daringly following Jesus, telling us about him. Step five, we admit to God and to ourselves and another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. One of the things we like to say in First Presbyterian Church is the DNA is we believe in connection. And that's a way of saying we believe in relationships. And we've been asking you to find a way with a one-on-one or a one-on-two or maybe a life group to get in a group where on purpose, vulnerable, transparent, those things, those are the things that transform our lives. When we're that way with each other, the dimension of God is present. That's what the kingdom is about, connected people. Therefore, we see James chapter 5. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. It just means that we're authentic with each other, that we're open with each other, and that we're vulnerable with each other. That's what that means. And you have relationships where you're that way, and you know it sets you free and makes you alive. Step six, we were entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Ha <laughs> ha. When I said it's not willpower, this is what I mean. It's the God dimension of being a Jesus-connected person where somehow we find that we're different. And yes, we build good habits, and we use our good sense, and we, we try to teach our minds to think about different things. But in the final analysis, it's really the grace of God that makes us into new people. We don't claim if we could cl- make ourselves into new people, we wouldn't have needed Jesus anyway. Step number seven, we humbly ask him to remove all our shortcomings. And then this powerfully beautiful, simple phrase that comes from the, the letter of John, not the gospel of John, if we confess our sins, if we admit, if we fall on the ground in self-awareness and weep broken by self-awareness, by truth-telling, if we admit it, he's faithful. He'll forgive us. He'll purify us, clean us, make us new. The God dimension takes over in our lives in a new way, and we become people who tell truth who aren't afraid of the truth, get nervous maybe sometimes, yeah, and that we on purpose lovingly connect with other people in these truth-telling, transparent, vulnerable, authentic ways. And the next thing you know, we're like Peter. We're a part of the movement. So that's what's going on down here. That's what's going on down below of us. Uh, And I, I made a slide for you so you can see it. 
I want to make sure before I go down there that I, you see the slide. God made us to be connected people. It'd be fine if you took your camera out and took a picture of that. It's on my Facebook. I posted it yesterday or the day before. Connected people, truth-telling people. You can share it from my Facebook if you want to. What we're saying is that we were made to do this together. And you know what else we were made to do together? This meal. So I'm going to step down and remind you of a couple of things about the meal. First is just some housekeeping. You will see that we have these are elements of communion. In other words, there's juice on one side, and on the skinny side is a little teeny wafer. For those of you, there's gluten-free wafers here, and in a few minutes, each one of us is going to come up and get them. So what will happen is we're all going to come up to the table. We're each going to take one of these. We're going to go back to our seat, and we're going to wait. And I'm going to remind us of the meaning of the body of Jesus, and you'll tear it open, and you'll eat the bread. And after everybody's done that, I'll, we'll flip it over. Wait, wait, and then I'll say the words about what the blood is about. We'll all open it and do that. There are little gray and black bowls underneath on the floor where you can deposit these so that we don't make a mess and you'll, you'll just feel great. So that's how this is going to work. And you will be asked to come forward by ushers in a few moments when we, do, when we invite ourselves to come forward. I just want to remind you of what took place. It's the meal that they had before the kangaroo court, before Peter's denial. Jesus was with them, with Peter. And he said, this bread, it's my body. The Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve. And this, at that meal, Jesus took a cup. That cup would have had wine in it. This is grape juice, this is grape juice. And Peter said, this cup is the promise the covenant of my blood to rescue and redeem you and make you into new people. The Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Friends, when you eat and when you drink, you're promising to tell the truth. You're committing to be connected. Come now to this table and know the transforming presence of the resurrected Jesus.
body of Jesus, the Son of Man, came to serve. blood of Jesus to give his life as a ransom for many. Truth tellers, connectors, let me pray for us. Gracious God, what you want from us is our heart. Peter so desperately, desperately wanted and longed to be close to you, and then he failed, and then you restored him. And this is the case for us, the paradox, that we want you, we love you, we long to be close to you, and then we mess it up. And then you put us back together again. That's what's happened at this table. It's what happens maybe daily. Thank you, gracious God, that the last word is a resurrection word. It's a grace word. It's a love word. And we live into deep intimacy with you and each other. And the next thing you know, we, like those first and earliest followers, become people who love other people well. And on purpose, we become a part of of your work in the world to make all people and all things new again, to change individuals and to change cultures. That's who we want to be. Truth-telling, connected, life-living people. Gracious God, all of this leaves us incredibly grateful, profoundly grateful that we are loved by you. We don't love you to earn your love. We love you in response to having been loved first by you. Thank you, gracious God. All of this in the name of the mighty Messiah, Jesus. Friends, I'll remind you what's going to happen next is we're going to stand, and as long as you'd like, you're going to sing this last song. You're going to be invited to leave by the ushers so that we don't bump into each other. And meanwhile, I want to do. I want to invite you to do this. Tell the truth on purpose. Connect deeply with Jesus and with other Jesus followers. This, my friends, is how we live a new life. Come all you weary, come all you thirsty, come to the well that never runs dry. Drink of the water, come and thirst no more. Come all you sinners,
Great week.